This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hugh Virtual Chat. Well, we are one day away before we get a new, well, I shouldn't say we, but there will be a new president of the United States, Joe Biden. We still have to see if, uh, if and when the uh, President Trump will show his face, but apparently he's in hiding. But here in Winnipeg, it's cold. It's finally getting uh, a little bit to look more like January weather. So we're like minus 19 or minus 20. But today we're going to talk about something that I just find unbelievable. Uh, to the best way to put it, it's called virtual harassment. So let's find out more about this. I'm going to open up the doors now. And I know that we're going to have a smaller chat today, but I think a little bit more in depth. And I hope that uh, you might have some questions and comments too. So don't forget to send us your comments on the Facebook page as we're introducing all of our Facebook Live fans too as well. All right. So let's bring them in, Josh. Linda. Hi, Linda. Good morning. Hi, Charlotte. Woo. Hi, Susie. Oh, my Susie, you looks like you look like a school teacher with those glasses. Very studious. <laughs> hence, hence our subject. Yeah, I, I know that um, I kind of let all of you kind of know what I want to talk about. I didn't know if you've heard about this case. Um, it was in the paper last week. Uh, this incident happened on January 4th. So interestingly enough, it was the very first day that virtual classes were back in session because um, grades 7 to 12 were back to virtual learning. And this happened in the middle school years lesson in a Pembina Trail School Division school. And it involved a teacher. Um, when her class was abruptly interrupted, when participants entered the video call uninvited, uninvited and started making misogynistic comments towards the female teacher. Um, the tip, there was a tipster familiar with the incident said two interlopers spewed hateful comments which prompted the teacher to cry in front of her class and soon left the call. The explicit sexist comments have had a lasting impact on the educator's well-being. The individual said not to be asked not to be identified to protect the identity of the teacher who was targeted at work. Uh, I'm speechless. So it's middle grade years. So Susie, just to clarify, middle years school is what grades? Around what what age? You're muted, Susie. Sorry. 
uh, would be like six, seven, eight, nine around there, seven, eight, nine. Right. So yeah. we're talking 12 to 14 years of age. So I, I, this is the first I've ever heard of it. Actually, before we went onto this virtual call, I was like, okay, let's play around with this. Can, can I actually like kick out somebody here? So we're on a Zoom flat platform. So it's not the first time it's happened in this pandemic. Uh, it's been happening for a while, like since students went online. And it's not just schools, like this has happened with workplaces too, where um, say things like pornography have made their way onto the screen uh, when you're having a professional uh, meeting in a professional setting. Um, and obviously it's horrifying when it happens, especially when there are children involved. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that a lot of what's happening here can go back to say, uh, school policies around bullying and behavior mm -hmm. that cover not just in the classroom, but whether you're online, those same principles still apply. And um, I don't know if there's been any follow-up, but I'm hoping that there's going to be some kind of repercussions because what that means is that the student or the teacher's link was shared with an outside party and that's how these people got in, correct? Yes, correct. Well, yeah. you know, to I mean, just in this article, um, you know, the, the teachers, uh, Manitoba Teachers Society are definitely concerned. And yes. obviously now that there's the risk of copycat incidences. Oh, yes. And, and I'm sure a heightened kind of a fear, too, with teachers, you know, besides having to get along and, and doing this all online now, now having to kind of fear about you know, what's going to pop up on my screen or, or what am I going to be facing? It's crazy. I think it's, I think it's pretty um, upsetting, number one, that this is happening. Number two, the fact that they were specifically misogynistic comments speaks to a deeper issue in society. And obviously one that's not necessarily um, linked to any specific age group. We're seeing if, if this is happening with teenagers. And then for the teenage girls who were in that class, what does that mean for them? What lessons did they take away from this uh, horrible incident that they were they were not um, not consenting to? It just happened to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of lessons that need to be learned from this um, incident, and there's a lot of deeper issues that need to be. Uh, looked at and examined in what happened in this specific case, because it's not just this case, it's, you know, it's happening in other classrooms, other settings. And even yesterday, there's a video from a TV reporter in Toronto who was doing, and as you know, because of COVID, a lot of people are working solo, right? So she's got her video camera set up on a corner. She's doing, uh, she's taping a hit and someone yells that classic TV slur that female reporters are um, often targeted with. And she, she stops in the middle of her hit and she's standing there and the look on her face is so heartbreaking. It is one of disgust, like of fear and of shock and of sadness. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like here's a, a woman, that, whether this teacher, this reporter doing her job who cannot escape this kind of hate. What does that say about what kind of society we are living in? I, oh, and you know what? Thank you for bringing it up, Susie, because I did see that too. And, and for me, it, it just brought back memories too on how many times and, and how many times you just kind of had to smile and had to just, okay, do another take, 
you know, happen again. <laughs> and the shocking thing was, as I read through the replies, there were so many people that said, oh, you're going to ruin someone, someone's life for this. And it's just like, oh, no, no, sorry. Um, when you choose to do that, you, you have chosen to put yourself out publicly. And hopefully the police can zoom in on that license plate and charge that person with harassment, which has been done before. Precedents have been set around that. And there is zero reason why that shouldn't happen in this case. No, no. And it's, especially it's, since she has it on tape as well. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. It really is. No. And uh, yeah. And it, it just kind of looks like, well, and I really wanted to like, you know, talk about now that, um, you know, how do you secure online safety and, and safe places? And, you know, there's questions about digital citizenship and, uh, there's all these sort of different things and conversations. So I'm going to go to, I think it's Charlotte. And then oh, I am sorry, we've had somebody new joining in. Is that Mary? Uh, oh, no, it's uh, uh, Nanette. Hello, Nanette. <laughs> sorry, it's been so, you've got your hair up and everything. Thanks for joining today. Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we're going to get you in the conversation too. But Charlotte, maybe just now, it does talk about the family and, um, you know, the, I guess the type of conversations that parents are now going to have to talk to their children about, about appropriate school conduct, or I don't know, like, have you ever heard of <laughs> this before? And like, what kind of conversations can parents have now with their kids? You know, I think I'm like Susie, that nothing's surprising me now in this uh, new era of, uh, you know, spending so much time on Zoom, but also just in the amount of, of hate and, uh, um, I, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Can I just comment once on the, on the Zoom part of, because I was thinking that, like, you know, Robin and I spend a ton of time on Zoom. I mean, we're averaging, you know, about six hours a day, and we put as many safeguards in, as play, in place that we can, um, and I know schools are doing that and workplaces are doing that too, but we're really mindful of who we let in um, into um, any of our Zoom meetings. Um, we put, everybody always goes into the waiting room. Um, we need to identify them before letting them in. Mm -hmm. um, we have the privilege of always having two facilitators in all of our training. Um, and the second person, it, um, the co-facilitators, one of their main re roles is watching um, body language and what's going on with, um, with how people are responding and, um, and having that ability to um, control, you know, what's going on in the room too. So I, especially in our parent support groups, we're always very careful of who's coming in. Um, everybody has, uh, has let me know that they're coming. So it's really a safe place for families and for parents to feel um, safe and secure in, in what they're talking about, what they're sharing, and that there isn't anybody in there that is that doesn't have a, the best interest of being in the in the group. Mm -hmm. um, but back to the part about the, the family um, supporting children who've gone through something like this, um, it's just having that open dialogue and listening to when the kids are saying that, you know, something hard happened in, in, in the classroom, um, especially when it's on Zoom. And, and I know it's hard with parents, you're so busy, but if you have that moment to hear something like where your spidey senses is going off and saying, oh my goodness, that doesn't sound right. Pause and just let the child finish explaining what's going on. And um, if it's something that you're not comfortable answering at the time, just say, hey, can I have a couple of minutes just to think about that? And I will get back to you, but just acknowledge what the child is saying to you and, um, and that it is important. 
Um, I can't even imagine what that poor teacher is going through. And I, I know the school has some supports for her, but I really hope that she's, you know, getting the support that she needs. Um, and I hope that uh, you know, she will be able to continue going on back into teaching virtually because the, the trauma around that, I mean, she's going to have huge fear every time she goes on and, and is trying to do her job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my hopes is if they don't have that waiting room, um, part to, um, to the school day that they include that. So at least the, the person conducting the zoom meeting has control over who they're letting in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if they don't know, like what we do in ours, if I don't know who it is, I ask, you know, I type in the waiting room, Hey, who is, uh, iPad three. Cause you know, lots of times people don't have themselves properly identified. And then as soon as I know, then you can let them in. I, and I know it's not that simple in, in the answering, but at least it's a start. Oh, no. And I know I want to say, Charlotte, I don't know if they, if they have the right resources to deal with a situation like this. I mean, we're, it, it's such a new, a new era of education. Um, and they are on a Microsoft Teams platform, which is different than Zoom. And yeah. just to let you know, on Zoom, you can remove somebody. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the oh. right click if you right click and then at the bottom it says remove you can remove that person and unmute and mute them so mm-hmm. uh, but whether or not but I think probably she was just so shocked and I and I yeah it's just so so surreal and I think like and these kids are young like yeah. but I guess not young in that sense to know all of that. And I, I mean, we don't know the whole backstory, but I mean, for something that terrible to happen, I, I just, I just don't know. And especially with everything that we're living in, um, it's, it's really hard. Uh, I would just want to say, welcome Nanette. It's been a, a while. Uh, you're probably on mute, Nanette. Hi, Hi. can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back. I know that. Uh, so, you know, I, maybe let's take, I'm going to take a little break off of this heavy subject, but get back into it. Uh, fill us in on, on what, you know, I guess your summer and I guess, you know, what you've been doing and how's the family and everybody doing? Uh, everyone's, uh, everyone's doing well, uh, well, as, as well as, you know, we're, we're entering into the next, uh, the next, uh, I guess, phase of well, school, school is a big deal, uh, you know, which is pretty much what we're doing on topic here. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my son has started his, uh, his first, his uh, second, se- sorry, second semester, I think it is of, of first year today, uh, this week. And yes. Miranda's back into, uh, you know, back at school in class, which makes me nervous. But, yeah. you know, this is this is the way things are. And and we're just taking it in stride. Uh, the holiday season was, of course, very, very busy, <laughs> and um, and uh, it was uh, it was nice. I I, I took on a, a nice uh, uh, seasonal position outside the home for a little while, which was great for for my mental health. Really, it was nice to see yeah. other people, and I was very fortunate to be working in a place that took pro. Uh, COVID protocols very seriously so mm-hmm. I felt safe and it was it was a, a great experience and um oh good yeah so now, now I'm back home and <laughs> <laughs> I'm able to hop on and chat with some girls 
<laughs> with yeah, my girls again. So this is great conversation. No. Um, and, and really, I think kudos to you for, you know, doing that and, and doing something for yourself. Right. Um, you, you know, um, it just kind of recharges your batteries. I can't, you know, I can imagine. And, uh, you know, hopefully today, ladies, you know, maybe by the weekend, we can go get our nails done or a hair done. I'm hoping, fingers crossed. <laughs> Susie's going, yeah, I think so. It would be nice. Yeah. 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 Slowly I, back to normal would be nice. Yeah. For sure. Of course, safely. Right. But. I know. I know. But uh, anyways, I'm going to go now to my girl, Linda, who <laughs> gives us all sorts of kind of <laughs> information on how to, you know, kind of just concentrate on what's going right and <laughs> but I know we're going to get back now into this whole kind of I, I almost think abuse of the virtual internet or or some sort of I don't know what it I don't know what to call it um, but I guess your thoughts and comments Linda maybe a perspective too on the whole kind of protocol and how to be secure online I would have to say I have no answers for that <laughs> simply because this isn't new. This is what we are socialized in our world as women. We aren't safe from misogyny anywhere. We are taught from that, you know, we're talking about this is a middle school years, but we teach our girls even younger, rightly so, they can't walk alone. They can't go out at night. They can't go into elevators alone. They can't go into their cars without checking them. We have a list of things that we have to do as women and young women to protect ourselves from male violence, male hate, misogyny. That is, so to me, this is, this is just the exact same stuff, just in a different format. So do we have a way to safeguard ourselves from this? I do not believe that there's going to be a magic way we can turn off comments and we can boot people out because the greater picture of the threat of violence uh, towards women is real, it's rampant, it's, uh, it's, a, you know, it's a very, very sexist, culture and that has to be addressed more so than you know do you double lock your door at night you know like it it has to be looked at at the bigger picture um and i think you know uh digital space is 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 one of those spaces that we have to uh, be aware that it's happening. Uh, when you were talking about the incident that happened with the teacher and the kids, it reminded me last week that um, Greta Thun Thunberg, the uh, young activist, she turned 18 last uh, last week, and the uh, they showed uh, pictures, photos of the male comments that were uh, listed on her page the most violent comments you can imagine addressed to an 18 year old girl about what they wanted to do to her. And these were just public comments. People, you know, nobody was hiding their profile. These were just public comments. And so 
it's 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 a very real problem um and i like i you know i agree with you charlotte that i you know i hope the teacher has you know supports but you know we we have to give our girls supports but we have to teach our boys you know it is uh, so often when there's issues of violence towards women, which this is a violent act towards women, we look to what women can do, how we can protect ourselves, how we can make ourselves safer. And in fact, we, we have over the years had to narrow our world so much. We have this little space that we're safe in, in our homes. And now we're at home and we're on the computer and we're not safe here either. So we need to address it with boys, the boys in that classroom. What did they hear? What did they see happening? They saw, you know, a perpetrator attacking an adult woman who had no recourse, who, you know, and they, they saw this. So what did they internalize? What are the conversations they're having at home with their parents? You know, what are their parents saying is okay and not okay, you know? So what are they hearing in the locker room when they go to hockey? What are they hearing? You know, um, just last week, one of the um, uh, hockey players was, no, it was golf and hockey were um, uh, reprimanded for using gay slurs. This is like, you know, adult men, you know, using language as a weapon. So I think, you know, um, we, we need to get better at addressing this with boys. You know, we, we've had so long a mindset of how to teach girls not to be raped. How do we teach girls not to be attacked? Don't wear these clothes. Don't go to these bars. Don't do this. Don't do that. We need to flip it and say, how do we teach our boys to not be violent? How do we teach our boys to not sexually assault? How do we teach our boys to understand consent? The onus has to shift and we have to start thinking about it in that way in order to have real change. You know, we can put all sorts of safeguards that we want, but unless we teach people not to do those things and, and it's not, it's not going to, it will just infiltrate in some other way. So I, that, that's my, uh, my take. And nice to meet you, Nanette. <laughs> We've never met. So you've just heard my. <laughs> wow. I, yes. And totally did not uh, think on, on those lines, but you are so right. Um, but, but it's interesting. I'm looking at all of you and all of you have girls. So I'm the only one here sitting with boys and yes, I will definitely have a talk with them, but they're, they're much older, but um, I have two but, boys and a girl. Yeah, and we, well, talk, we talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah, all the time. And um, I did a Facebook video a couple of years ago, actually talking about. Um, I don't. I don't talk about my kids on my blog and anything like that because I. I think my kids deserve privacy. But there are lessons that I can pull from you know our life experience and things like that, and um, th that are common to other, other families. Mm -hmm. And even when my daughter was little, little. 
Um, you know, the boys would love to kiss her and love to hug her and which is very sweet and very loving. And they are super, you know, um, they're all very loving and attached to each other. And they like to, you know, snuggle, watch movies and all this stuff. But there was a point when she was about three years old where she didn't want to be hugged and kissed all the time. And she would pull away and she would, you know, exercise her, you know, autonomy. And the kids were little. So she was three that meant Jack was or turning three that meant the oldest was like seven and five and we sat and had a discussion about consent and about autonomy and how she gets to decide when she wants to be kissed and hugged and that's perfectly okay and so do you you get to decide those things as well and you know the, these conversations that we think we should be having they have to start when they're small when they're 13 and 15 it's too late already those patterns have been set and we need to start thinking about these things very early on. And that's why, you know, in that conversation with my kids, I used very age appropriate language, used very, you know, age appropriate um, emotional uh, connections that they could relate to and say, you know, you don't like it when someone grabs you when you don't want to be you know, touched or whatever. It's the same thing for her. We have to respect that. And, you know, you have to ask her step, like, can I give you a kiss right now? And if she says, you know, not right now, then you respect that. And you say, okay, come get me when you're ready or whatever it might be for a seven and a five and a three-year-old to understand that those are the building blocks to, you know, healthy adult relationships. And, it's about also, you know, not placing blame on her. Like, oh, you don't want me. You don't, you don't want to give me a kiss. That means you don't love me. None of these guilt tripping emotional games get to be played. This is about, you know, strong communication and understanding empathy and where somebody else is coming from. So, you know, to, to battle all of these things like Linda, the, Linda listed, which we all live with every single day as women, um, we have to start educating young people, young boys, young girls about consent, about what that means and having respect for their personal space and their emotions and to understand that they are in control of their emotions, not anybody else, you know, it's all of those things wrapped up into, you know, such a bigger package that we really need to be dealing with on a societal level. Wow. I just I so agree, Susie. I mean, yeah. I think you nailed it in, in um, teaching empathy. You know, we, you know, uh, Tracy, you're talking about this situation in the classroom. So, you know, what I would do is I would go in to talk to those kids and use empathy as the tool. How do you think the teacher felt? How do you think the girls felt? How do you think the boys felt? You know, uh, how do you think the, the boys who were doing the perpetrating felt like, we're, you know, like, let's break this down. Let's, you know, understanding emotion. And I, I think I love how you put that, Susie, um, is not letting anybody else be responsible for your emotions. Uh, you are responsible for them is such a key uh, piece of learning that really um, most of us as adults don't know how to do that well. So it's, you know, it's not a surprise that, that kids don't know, but it, I think, yes, starting early, young, like you're talking about that, that very basic understanding of a content, consent and autonomy um, is, is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also agree. I think that one thing, cause I also have a boy and a girl and one thing that we kept from the very, very, young age we kept telling our son remember no means no 
and your sister, if she says no, you have to respect that. And I also told my daughter, and this is something that I've had to also internalize because from a cultural standpoint, I come from the Philippines and Susie, you might also feel this as well. We are told um, to just smile and take it because we're, we have to be sweet and we have to be, you know, we have to just uh, create a pleasant environment for everyone. And sometimes like I was raised to swallow my feelings many times. And I think that it's our job to empower our girls to say no, to say, nope, I'm not going to take this. And, and to take a stand and be able to say no. And that those are my feelings. You have to read my feelings. And that's where it is. And, and coming from like, you know, that I, that I, have graduated with an engineering degree growing up going to school in the faculty of engineering we went through a lot of that that comes up that came up a lot especially 30 years ago <laughs> when I was in school there and uh, there were a lot of things that just would not fly now that we put up with back then and that we were just told to well you know this is the way things are here in, in engineering happy to say that things have changed greatly. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are, you know, being, being listened to. Empathy definitely is a, is a big thing. Um, teaching our children, teaching boys to, you know, put yourself in that shoes. Is that where you want to, is that how you want to feel? Uh, no, well, guess what? You're making that other person feel that way. So definitely, yes, education, making, making, making sure that our boys know things like that, but also making sure girls feel okay to say and to speak up and to say, nope, I can't, I'm not gonna put up with this. And um, sorry, I'm jumping around, but <laughs> jumping to the, uh, to the tech part of Zoom meetings and things like that. Um, the tech has to catch up. It has to catch up to situations like this where you don't give a voice to people who are who are causing problems, who are causing trouble. And that's the problem with a lot of our social media right now is that we are giving voices to people who, who didn't have voices before and they're speaking up and they're saying things that are causing problems and that are, it, it, it's a whole new world here. And so many of us are, we're behind screens now. And many people who do not have a good message are being empowered to say things that unfortunately are very hurtful. And it's, it's allowing them to gather. It's allowing these people to gather and to say terrible things and to cause problems. So the tech has to somehow catch up. We have to find a way uh, to take voice, take, take this, this, the voice away from them, take their, take their way of, I, you know, we're crossing into censorship here, you know, there's always that balance, that's something that, but in order to protect many people in like the cases of the Zoom call right there, uh, or uh, whatever school um, platform they're, they're using, there needs to be a way to take away 
people who are just causing trouble. You know, there, there has to be a way to catch up to that. Right. Like take away certain people's Twitter accounts, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, that, that terms that, of service exist for a reason. Yeah, that, that was a very, you know, exactly what you were saying, Nanette, like there, that, that voice needed to be silenced. Never mind free speech. Never, if, if free speech is not allowed, if it is, you know, causing harm to other people, you know, or if it's hate speech or if it's, you know, um, that kind of insurrection with, with Trump. So, you know, I, I think you're right. Tech, tech is scrambling to catch up there especially in the case of, yeah, down in the US right now. What does everyone else think about the, uh, the Twitter account being taken away from Trump? I, I was all in favor of it. <laughs> yeah, that was just like a, a toy taken away from a kid that just should not have been there in the first place. Charlotte, I guess, um, are, and throwing it out to the ladies. So where do we go from here? And I, and I say we, because I, we do have, Change starts, and we talked about this, change starts at the bottom, at the grassroots. Um, you know, moving forward, the messaging or whatever we do, um, it's like I, you know, putting my, if I was that parent of that, of that student that is the perpetrator, uh, how do, where do you begin with something? I don't know. I, I would be kind of, first of all, I would be shocked. Um, but you know, and we don't want to make assumptions because, you know, right. We've talked to you about this, about family and parents and, and Susie, right. You know, we're just a product of our, you know, our upbringing or, or, you know, something like this though, I think goes far and beyond. So I, I know I was just asking you, Charlotte, with all of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I kept going on mute, off mute. Um, I guess first off, I'd like to address the fact that um, I know this was a, I assume this was a boy incident with the school, but I also wanna address the fact that there's um, there's some bullying girls out there too. So mm -hmm. I, I, would, I just don't wanna lump all the boys together in this. Um, and um, because I've seen some pretty awful things happen on social media as girls attacking girls. So there's equally that going on as well. Um, and um, yeah, like, um, so where my head goes um, is that if um, you're hearing that your child has um, some bullying tendencies or is um, having behavior that um, isn't so great, please don't put blinders on and go to it, not my child. Um, really start to explore, um, you know, where this is coming from and, and have, start having conversations with your child. Um, my, uh, now early on in Facebook world, um, my daughter was a product of bullying through Facebook and, um, and it was blatant and, you know, the kids who were doing it, their names were right there, just like what you were addressing with Greta. And I went to the parents and they were like, no, no, not my child, not my child. And, um, the damage, you know, on, on my daughter was huge. Like it was really, really huge. And, and you couldn't get it taken down. And, and it was back when police weren't getting involved. Like it was, it was a different time. And I'm thankful that Facebook has some really great policies in place now. Um, but I just remember that not my child mentality from the parents. And, um, and I really encourage parents to, to take a hard look at, you know, what's going on with their child and, um, 
and have conversation with them and, and maybe, you know, don't go full board, you know, bad kid, but just say, Hey, you know, what's happening that's making you want to do this? Like what's happening that makes you think that this is okay to do, like start having some conversations around that. And, you know, and what can we do to, uh, to change, you know, why you think this is okay. And, um, and work as a family around that too. Um, and, and I don't want to put out there to parents that this is all a parenting issue. Like, you, you know, you're to blame for this because a lot of times, you know, parents have done all the right things. They've, you know, had great, they've been a great role model and children still, you know, are exploring, um, you know, playing with where their boundaries are at and, and yeah. thinking that these are okay. Other friends are doing it. So why can't I? Um, and that's a great point, Charlotte. I think that, you know, these, that, especially that age range, right. Uh, that Tracy mentioned of middle school, they do not understand the repercussions of their actions. They don't understand that something's going to happen 15 minutes after that. And that a new story is going to be written about it. Like they have no processing skills for all of that. Right. So there's, there's a whole piece of that to manage. And then as well, you know, even uh, you can think back years ago, like with Facebook, there are so many social media platforms that your kids could be on now that you may have no idea about as a parent. And so how do you, how do you monitor all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And if they are being bullied now online, you probably might not even know because you have no chance of seeing it because you're probably not connected to their Snapchat account. You're not connected to their, definitely not their group chat where everyone else is, okay? Uh, whether it's their fake Instagram or whatever it is that they're working, you're not there. So now they're, they're living with that fear and that torture that's happening to them and they can't tell anybody. So depending on what the parameters were around this, there's a lot of exploring and a lot of learning that these children and their parents could be doing from this incident, for sure, for sure. So Susie, are you suggesting then maybe that as, as parents is just to keep that open line of communication correct, but if you said that we will never know on all, about all of the platforms, how do you broach that? How do you find out? So a lot of that comes back to, again, keeping those lines of communication open, right? So let, let's say in a, in a fantasy scenario, let's say somebody was being bullied online and they said, if you don't, if you don't send this invitation to so-and-so and invite them into this class, we're going to put a picture up of you. And it's going to be embarrassing and it's going to, you know, uh, out you in some kind of way that you don't want to do. Perhaps this was a dare gone wrong. It was bullying gone wrong. Who knows what the parameters are around that? That's when the parenting piece can come back and you say to your kids, you know, if there's something happening that you're afraid of, we can talk about it. If you can't talk about it, you can write me a note about it and we can deal with it. There are always ways to fix things. I always tell my kids, right? Because that that's the trap of bullying and of shame associated around being bullied and shame around abuse, whatever that abuse can be, is that there's no way out, right? There's always a way out. And that way out is the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Parents and educators and caregivers and guardians can help you find that way out by being truthful and saying, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I'm feeling trapped. Somebody's threatening me. And when you're that age, you don't know that there's help available. You might not know all the resources out there. So having that open line of communication is so important. And if it's the school counselor as well, and they're afraid of repercussions perhaps, but we need, we need to be giving our kids opportunities to tell the truth and to come to us with their problems and to be to be able to say, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to punish you. You're not a bad person. I just want to help you. Right. 
Oh, so lots to think about. And another thing that uh, was in the article um, was trying to create safe places. So what is a safe place anymore? What does that mean? And, and I have to be honest, I, I, that's my biggest, you know, my mission is to create a safe place for uh, people to share their stories. But I don't know. Linda? It's an interesting question. I, I, you know, I think a safe place looks different for everyone. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm just picturing how, how I feel safe is, um, it's a, it, well, that's a, it's an interesting conundrum too for uh, women because, you know, when we think of safety, I think of being, feeling peaceful and, and calm, mm -hmm. but often one of our biggest enemies is our own self-talk. It's our own put downs that we, you know, so often we're not even safe in our own minds because we look in the mirror and we shame our bodies. You know, we, we tell ourselves we're not good enough. We tell ourselves, you know, uh, we should have known better, especially as a parent, I don't know about you, but like, I am often very hard on myself as a parent. I should know how to do this. I should know how to help them. I should, you know, how can this be happening? You know, that whole thing, like it's very hard sometimes as a parent. Um, and I so appreciated that you said that Charlotte about it sometimes is not your fault as the parent. If your kids are, are going awry, like it's, you know, it's, it's not always, you can be doing everything right are mostly right. And, and still they're going to make decisions and choices that are not, you know, as you said, Susie, about, you know, they're, they're young, they're, they haven't fully formed their, you know, consequences, you know, how to, how to figure this out. So um, for me, safety is then about being safe, having a safe place in my mind where I'm not beating myself up, where I'm not criticizing myself, where I'm not telling myself, uh, you know, negative things about my body and about my uh, abilities um, as a person, my worth, um, uh, my value as a human. So I think safety is about teaching, teaching all of us to know that we are valued for who we are. Uh, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to do things better. We don't have to have all the answers. Um, uh, my daughter was saying to me yesterday, she's so, she's struggling with um, French and, and getting assignments in. And, and she's like, you know, mom, like I'm, I'm in grade 10 and, and uh, you know, I often think I should have it all figured out. Like I should know everything. And I'm like, oh honey, like <laughs> it never happens for one. <laughs> you never have it all figured out. Um, but you know, yeah, you're in grade 10, you know, She's like, it feels like it's the end of the world if you get, you know, a terrible mark. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's it, but it's really not, you know, you have value for who you are right now. If you're struggling with French, you know, that's okay. That's just, we're all human. We're all, you know, we're all just trying to get by. So, you know, safety to me is, um, yeah, that personal, personal sense that I'm okay just the way I am right now, right in this moment. Wow. 
And that's something that we can all take to heart too, Linda. I think I to, mean, yeah. Go ahead, Susie. I was going to say to build on what Linda says, um, I think it's, um, it's important to understand too that some families might not be safe. And so that means it's incumbent upon the society to provide safe places for children who are not, not safe at home. And whether that's the teacher, whether that's the counselor, whether that's any kind of adult in a leadership or authoritarian authoritarian role to to model that behavior and say you know if there's something you're going through you need help with something I can help I can put you in touch with the resources or you know I can I can help you not be scared you know like that's that's the important thing because these kids if they are experiencing distress or bullying or shame or whatever they are scared and we don't we don't want children to be living in fear and if there are opportunities for us as adults to um, help a child through that and to uh, be a resource for some other bigger uh, opportunity for help and guidance, I think that's a really important um, thing to put forward as well. Yes, and just a, a great point, Susie. Um, I was just gonna say, sometimes the home maybe isn't the safest place for these kids to be, you know, and, and I think and clearly by the article, obviously there are gonna be some investigations, um, but also I, informing teachers too and educators on the whole broad consent um, and changing that and, and uh, consent education, as I put it, I think that will start to happen. And perhaps now making uh, the classroom being the safe place for these students. I, I was gonna ask Nanette, you said your daughter went back to school and I, you know what, I'm sure too, there's just sort of that mental aspect, mental health aspect, right? For her to go back and be with and see her friends. Well, we've, she's been very fortunate. She's been able to have the group chats um, in the evenings with her friends. She's, she's in grade 11. So Linda, I, I understand completely how you feel about, my daughter is also a high achiever and um, it's nice that she has that outlet that she is able to to chat with them online and they were able to do that into the night. It was really, really nice. Um, I think though, going to school, first of all, she's not in the same classes as her mm -hmm. core group of friends. So that's a bit of a, you know, going to school for her is more connecting with her teacher, mm -hmm. um, which of course, when you're, in a situation like this on screen, you don't really get that kind of connection. And when, when you want to have your questions answered, you kind of need that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, she has a really, really good, strong group of friends mm -hmm. that she can she can connect with and bounce ideas off of. And um, really though, I have to be honest, the whole going to school is, is more, she is very nervous about that. That is something that she's, um, she has very strong feelings about, I don't want to be exposed mm -hmm. when I have a family member who is high risk. And so that's, that's something that's in our situation, that is, mm -hmm. that is the big, the big issue. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. She has some friends who, who are, who are better going to school, who do better having that, seeing your friends face to face. And of course, when she sees her friends, it's like, ah, you know, it's always really great. Yeah. Um, 
but you know when you get into the higher grades when you get into like grade 11 grade 12 it's it priorities start to shift and uh, for her it's like I have to protect my family and going to school makes me nervous. And so uh, we are very lucky that we do have tech that we're able to conduct our classes like this and, 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 and social distance properly. But um, yeah, yeah, of course there is a, there is a certain degree of nice to connect, but she can do that at home. <laughs> but my daughter's an introvert. So oh, well, so, yeah, this has been kind of been okay. And I, um, well, I was just taking back, uh, looking back or thinking back to the, the conversation. I think we had it last week. And I think Susie, you put it really well. Um, Charlotte, I think was in on that and Linda too on, um, on how like, and we're going to be facing it restrictions, I'm hoping will lessen. So the doors are slowly opening. But Susie had mentioned that, you know, you'd be the on the other side of it, you know, still, uh, you know, and I forget how you put it because it was really, it was really well said. It wasn't like, yeah, okay, I'm happy. You're going to be the one that's sort of going, okay, all right. You know, but always a second thought, definitely wearing masks, but, but it'll be kind of a new, a new wave. Right. I think, as we said, uh, of thinking um, there, and you're very right. And, and listening to Nanette, you know, with your daughter, I'm sure there's just going to be a new way of thinking what freedom is, what, uh, what restrictions, you know, what's going to heighten your insecurity or what's going to heighten your, okay, I feel comfortable. Levels of comfortable will be different. Strangers, that whole thing, different. Um, even friends, how we view our friends that, you know, that we, we used to, no problem, we'll come over. Now might be like, okay. <laughs> Uh, but it, you know, it's so strange. And then like, you know, what we were talking about today and, and realistically, Linda and Susie, yes, you, you hit it on the nail. This has been happening all the time, or it's been ongoing. It's just a new way, way to view it. It's a new, on a new platform. I guess what really gets me is that these are, I consider young kids. And I'm just wondering, where is this coming from? Um, and what worries me is where is this hatred coming from? Uh, you know, that's that's you know, my my real fear. I um, I appreciated what you're saying, and and uh, it makes me think about what everyone's been talking about. You know, especially the pandemic and um, making sure that kids are safe. And as we pointed out, there's many homes that are not safe. And right now they're seeing an increase in domestic violence across the board, across the world with uh, you know, the closures, uh, there is this increase in violence and domestic violence is, I, I can't remember what the statistic is, but like 95% towards women. So, you know, kids are exposed to this. And, you know, I liked how you put it, Susie, cause it really makes me think, we don't know what those boys, the, the boys who were, you know, verbally attacking this teacher, we don't know what they were seeing at home. We don't know what is happening for them. And that's a good reminder to, um, to keep that compassion in my heart for, for what they were going through as well. And to try and get them resources that they need to, to get help and, uh, you know, to really, 
um, yeah, help everyone move forward with, with greater supports and with greater understanding of, uh, you know, we see on a global scale right now, uh, you know, in the US, the effects of having a bully and, you know, a violent bully who's misogynistic in charge and look at the chaos that is ensuing right now and the division that happened in that country. And, you know, people are talking about the need for healing, but I believe um, somebody put it uh, well uh, last week is that first there has to be accountability and justice and then there's healing. So I think there's that, you know, we have to have, um, we have to hold people accountable for their actions mm -hmm. uh, and, and have justice, like you said, um, about, you know, being able to trace the person's car who uh, drove by and, and hurled an insult at the re reporter. There has to be accountability and justice uh, and then there can be healing. So that would be, yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, that is what will hopefully be happening on a global level right now. Right. Charlotte, anything I was going to ask you, you, you've got two daughters too. I mean, you talked about the bullying, but um, yeah. And you had mentioned that girls can be just as, as vicious <laughs> as, as the boys can. Um, but I mean, even parenting and do you remember any instances where, you know, you had to kind of step in and say, Hey, that's uh, not right. Oh gosh, yeah, many times. Um, and you know, and Kirsten, Kirsten tonight is running her workshop on, um, and I have to just do a little plug because this, it's kind of a, a, a bring into this topic. Um, it's called the advocacy role of a family member. And in her workshop um, that I co-facilitate with her, um, she really starts to look at the role of advocate as well as enabler. And um, so, you know, we talk a lot about em empowering your child or empowering your family member to take um, ownership of their own mental health. And, you know, and our role as a, as a family member is not to fix and solve, but to support them to figure out what works for them. Um, having said that, you know, I was, uh, you know, trying to fix and solve, you know, my daughter lots back then and, and many times it did backfire on me but you know other times I did have to step in and, and say hey wait you know this isn't this isn't right um so you know any parent if anybody's listening you know come join us tonight because it is a great course um and another quick plug because Linda you were talking about shooting on yourself Robin has a great course called getting rid of the shoulds highly recommended for anybody to <laughs> um, but the other thing I just wanted to end on too is that definition of safe. And, you know, all of us here, um, we all have a, a pretty privileged view of what safe is for us. Um, and just being mindful of, you know, what safe is to every, you know, to everybody else might not be what it is to us. Um, we had a conversation yesterday in one of the trainings that I was uh, facilitating exactly on that. And uh, a peer worker was saying to a, a person, are you safe? And her biases were coming out because she didn't believe she was safe. But at that moment, the peer was safe in her definition of what safe was. So um, it's just being mindful of that as well and, um, and, and keeping our biases in check 
because um, sometimes um, we may be overexerting ourselves into something that, you know, may not be the case. Um, but having said that, what Linda said about domestic violence and on the ramp, it, it is quite, quite prevalent. We're seeing kids um, as young as four having high, high, high anxiety, and it is a result of um, domestic abuse in the family and what they're seeing. So it, it's something that um, you, you, we need to take seriously. Um, maybe we should have Mary back on for, with Eva Manitoba to get, cause she hasn't been on for quite a while now just to see what's, what's going on. Um, well, and and other, yeah. So I yeah. just interrupt. Yeah. I wanted to have Mary on, but she was in meetings, but she was quoted in this article too. So they do yeah. a lot for yeah. uh, the sexual harassment on campuses online. Yeah. They've got that whole kind of online kind of help, but uh, definitely I'll love to have Mary back on. And the one thing that also that Linda mentioned too, that the resources for, for the, the people that are doing the abuse. Um, one of the biggest things that we see are when women um, like charge their husband, charge their boyfriend for um, domestic abuse, um, just because they really want it to stop. And then they let the guy come back into their life. And then the guy comes back after the charges have been dropped without any supports. Like he doesn't he had any, um, anger management, like with very minimal. Um, and my hope is that, you know, more organizations start to address that um, and, you know, get some more supports in place for the, for the, in most cases, it is a guy um, and, uh, you know, what they can do to ch start to change the, his, their behavior in order to um, come back into a home and, and have it more safe for that person. And it, it's hard, like uh, Kirsten and I see it time after time, you know, the wife or the the partner taking him back in and then the abuse starts back up again and then the damage to the children increases. And um, yeah, anyway, that's another story too. <laughs> well, no, it's incredible. Well, you know what, I really hope that you know the schools and the Manitoba Teachers Society look, give a hard look at this uh, because I mean, who knows how long online uh, schooling will go. I mean, it's, it's gonna be here for a while it might be a choice too, moving forward. Um, and you know, we just, this can't happen. And there needs to be resources on both ends for the students, for the teachers, for the families, because my goodness, I mean, when we all went to school, yeah, it was, it was a safe place, mostly, you know? Um, and we want that to be for all parents, you know, to send their children for six hours of the day. But Susie, you look like, yes. So believe it or not, I um, believe that this all goes back to why sex education needs to be in schools, because sex education starts with talk about consent and starts with talks about um, the value, the inherent value of people and the choices that we make. And we live in a predator culture because the predator culture does not want you to be informed about sex education and about consent and about autonomy and all of these things. And having these conversations in age appropriate ways, starting from very little is very important. Wow. Well, I second that. Yes. I 100% agree. My mom was the first sex education educator in the province. She was <laughs> like Dr. Ruth. <laughs> she she taught people at university how to teach sex sex education. 
she was a huge advocate for it. Like she, she was, she was so passionate about it, especially for LGBTQ plus issues, um, safety, uh, all, you know, all those things, autonomy. Um, it, she was so yes, <laughs> go, go mom. <laughs> yes. Oh, amazing. Well, you, you know what, this has been such a great conversation. And I want to say next week, we will have um, Rochelle Squires, who just has a new portfolio families. So we can actually maybe bring up some of these topics too. Um, you know, uh, I, she's always, you know, open, but uh, definitely families. It's a huge, huge, uh, I'm not going to say issue. It's, um, it's something that makes our, our city, it makes our community. And uh, we've really got to do a lot of, I guess, hard work to uphold the family unit and make it, you know, safe, great, happy, and wonderful for our future generations too as well. So thank you, ladies, as always. It's been an incredible conversation. Um, have a wonderful Tuesday. Stay warm. It was so great to see you again, Nanette. We'll see you next week. And uh, yeah, so we'll have Rochelle Squires on next week. So have a great week, ladies. Thanks, everyone. Bye, ladies. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.